0: Hello, Bucknutters, and welcome to another episode of the Bucknuts Happy Hour. I'm Patrick Murphy from Bucknuts and 247 Sports, here to talk some Buckeyes and what will be our first uh, preseason or in season, I guess, as the season starts on Saturday episode of 2023, our second year of doing the Bucknuts Happy Hour. We're going to talk some Indiana Hoosiers with our guy, Matt Weaver, from uh, peaks.com, the 247 Sports site. Then we'll talk some kind of Final things that are kind of on my mind uh, as we head into the, the end of this week and into the first game. If you have any questions that are still lingering out there, if you have any questions about Indiana for Matt, throw those in the chat if you're watching this live. Uh, but before we get going, we've got to uh, pay, pay a couple bills here. Um, so we've got, we've got a read here. Uh, hey there, Bucknutters. Are you ready to indulge in some mouthwatering Italian street food while cheering on your beloved Buckeyes? If you're looking for the ultimate game day feast, look no further than Piata Italian Street Food. It's a time to elevate your tailgate experience with Piata's delicious pastas, piattas, and salads. Options include tender pasta, cooked to perfection, tossed in rich, flavorful sauces. Whether you're a fan of classic marinara or creamy carbonara, Piata's got you covered. And let's not forget about piadas—the these thin Italian wraps filled with your choice of grilled meats, fresh veggies, and irresistible sauces or game changers. Now that, you've made, now that we've made you hungry, we are offering you, the listener, an exclusive online-only discount. This week only, you can receive a free piatta, pasta, or salad with your purchase of a regular entree. Use code GOBUCKS, all one word, uh, at checkout online or in the Piata One app to receive a buy one, get one at any Piata pasta or of any Piata pasta salad. This offer is valid through August 28th through September 3rd, and you receive any Piata pasta or salad with the purchase of any regular size entree when using the code GOBUCKS, again, one word, at checkout online or within the Piata one app. Offer cannot be combined with other discounts or rewards. Go Buckeyes and go Piata. I will say my girlfriend, big Piata fan, we eat it quite a bit. I recommend. So uh if if you're if you're into that, I thoroughly recommend that. But let's dive into talking some football here. It's football season after all and we're going to bring in Matt Weaver of pegs.com. Matt, thanks for joining us. How you doing? Pretty good. How you doing? I am good. So I want to start off kind of general and then we'll go more specific. Um it was only 2 seasons ago, though I I think it feels crazy longer than that, uh, the 2020 season I guess. When Indiana came into the horseshoe, was super competitive against the Buckeyes, there was the argument made towards the end of the season that maybe the Hoosiers deserve to be in the Big Ten championship game over Ohio State. I don't think Ohio State fans agreed with that, but I could certainly see that argument. These last two seasons haven't gone the way Indiana hoped to build off of that. Can you kind of talk on why this has been the case and uh, you know what, uh, what,
1: what has changed for the Hoosiers over these last couple of years? Yeah, it's interesting. I've been asked that question multiple times, and um, sure. to me, the biggest change has been um, in the their good run for Indiana starting in 2019. They went eight and four, <clears throat> played Tennessee in the Gator Bowl. Um, you know, lost the game that they really should have won. <clears throat> but that season, Kalen DeBoer, 19, was the offensive coordinator, and obviously, he went out to Fresno State after a season as a head coach, and now is at Washington and has them as one of the best programs on, you know, the West coast and, and, you know, a team that could be a sleeper for, you know, the uh, playoff. And then in um, 20, uh, uh, your defense coordinator was Kane Womack. He has since moved on as the head coach of South Alabama and has turned that program around two really, really high level coaches. And I just don't think Indiana has been able to replace them. Um, you <clears throat> a school like Indiana, the margin margin for error is so thin, um, that, you know, uh, you lose guys like that it's hard to replace them um you know the same quality of a coach and they just haven't been able to do that they also had I think another one that's really underrated Dave Ballou was their strength coach he's now at Alabama has been on there for a few years um and I don't think the strength program has maintained the same level that it had under under Coach Ballou and obviously these guys didn't just jump ship they got you know head coaching jobs and in the head strength job at for Nick Saban in Alabama so these were all massive promotions um but the bottom line is that indiana it's tough you know you don't have maybe the budget of a lot of other schools and sometimes you know they took they took some risks you know they they promoted nick sheridan who i think is a bright coach but he just wasn't ready to be the oc now he was the oc in 20 when i had that run but a lot of things it was kind of a perfect storm the defense was so good that year a lot of short fields they i think they led the country or top two or three in turnover margin like they got a ton of takeaways um in like eight games it was like 20 or something it was ridiculous the number so and and i mean he did some good things and then michael penix i mean you saw it against ohio state you know there were games where he just played out of his mind ty Freifogel um <clears throat> was the offense or was the receiver of the year in the Big Ten. Um so a lot of things kind of just fell into place that year and it just hadn't happened. And I think some of it is the changes on the coaching staff and not being able to replicate what you had those two seasons with those guys in those in those coordinator roles. Certainly makes sense.
0: Uh, I think you look across the country, it's not just Indiana. You know, coaches change. You get something wrong with, with a player here or there, and, and programs can can take a turn. As we look at 2023, um, big picture here, what are kind of the, the expectations? What's the vibe of the fan base coming into the season and, and what people are, are hoping to get out of this
1: football season? Well, I mean, you have some people who, you know, the kind of the diehards and in Indiana doesn't have a ton of them, but <clears throat> excuse me, they have some who think, you know, this team can get back to a bowl game. And I do think there's enough talent that six wins is doable. Cause I mean, right now at Indiana, that's kind of, you know, the benchmark. You want to try to get back to a bowl game. Um, the problem is you open every season. Basically you have to get six wins in nine games with Ohio state, Michigan and Penn state, even if Indiana plays a really good game against those three teams they're going to need those teams to help them out to get a win because they're just the talent disparity is, is so great. So, you know, and then you, you have Louisville, the non-conference. So it's almost like you're playing 10 conference games for Indiana, um, which makes it really difficult. Um, so, you know, it's my expectations. Honestly, I, I really don't know what to expect. I, you know, nearly half this roster has been turned over. Um, I want to say like 36, 37, when you count portal and like what I call traditional recruiting, you know, high school and Juco guys, um, it's, it's amazing how much, you know, it's kind of been, it's just kind of the way of the world now with the portal and guys jumping back, uh, you know, all over the place, but it's just so hard to say the secondary, I mean, I use top five corners from last year are all gone. I mean, it's incredible. Like they literally had nobody at the cornerback position, who played significant snaps for them last year? Now they have some guys they brought in as transfers who played maybe at some other schools, but everybody's pretty much brand new in that room. They have a couple freshmen, but they didn't really play much last year. Safety's not quite as bad, but close. D line, they did a good job in the portal. I think the up front, this defensive line is a chance to be for Indiana pretty good. But you know, offensively, no idea on the quarterback. Don't even know who's gonna be the starter. They won't announce it. Um, it's two red shirt freshmen who barely played in their career. So You know, I I don't know. They struggled mightily last year on offense. They weren't much better defensively. You know, it's just hard to say. I mean, right now, you know, gun to the head, I would say this is a four or five win team. If the quarterback play can be better than I think it might be, then maybe they can sneak out another win or so and get to six wins. But it's just so hard to know what to expect because you just have so much turnover. And then you have a new play caller on defense and Matt Guerrero, who was on the staff there at Ohio state last year. I think he was like a consultant or a quality control coach. Um, a couple of new um, hires on offense, Bob Bostad, the O-line coach, which is probably the biggest one. Um, and Hopefully he can improve what was really a bad O-line last year. So I think there's a chance, but it's just, in the end, I wouldn't be shocked if they won two games. And I wouldn't be, honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if they won seven. That's how big, you know what I mean? Like, it's just such a huge swing one way or the other. My guess is they fall somewhere in between.
0: you hit on a couple of things I wanted to dive a little bit deeper on. Um, so we'll go into them now. The transfers. Um, I think if you look on our site, I think it lists 23 transfers. Uh, they're, they're, I don't know if that's the exact number correctly or not, but that I looked at that earlier this week. Why did the Hoosiers decide this was the time to really push the transfer portal? We've seen it with other programs, Michigan State being a, a close-by example, but why was this the time, and, and then how do you think they did, obviously with the caveat that you know, you're going to learn more starting on Saturday, but just based on preseason, why now how'd they do
1: yeah in 23 is right now two of those are are were like preferred walk-ons okay. i think they get listed but yeah they they did bring in a lot of guys well i mean i think part of it patrick is you know you've gone six and 18 the last two years all that momentum you had from 19 and 20 is gone and i think i don't want to say it's desperation but it's you know you you can't you can't say okay well we, we need a couple more years even at indiana to rebuild this um, you know, they, they, they need to start trying to get this turned around um, ASAP and whether it works or not, the portal is kind of that lifeline to maybe try to, you know, Michigan, like you mentioned Michigan state now last year they've dropped back, yeah. but I think you're kind of hoping maybe you can catch lightning in a bottle with some of these guys and get by yourselves some goodwill. And in Indiana, you got more goodwill than you would, you know, at like Ohio state or another school like that, where one bad season and you're probably got a for sale sign in your front yard, if you're the head coach. So at Indiana, they're going to give you way more rope to, you know, kind of uh, or leeway. Um, but I, I think they did overall a pretty good job. You just don't know. I mean, I hate to call portal guys, mercenaries. That's kind of unfair, but in some ways they are. A lot of these guys are one-year guys, they're basically looking to go make a name for themselves and hopefully get onto the next level. And the, you know, the, 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 concern I always have is well, what if it doesn't go right? What if things start going sideways? Do they just do their own thing and at the expense of the team, hopefully that's not the case, but like I said, D line, they brought in some good guys that, you know, receiver, they brought in some guys who, you know, they, they hope can make an impact. We'll see how it turns out on the field. You just don't know. There's a reason why some of these guys left now, like an Andre Carter from Western Michigan, he didn't leave because he wasn't playing. He was one of the best players in the MAC. I think he just left because he wanted to go to a bigger school for his last year of college. EJ Williams from Clemson played early when uh, you know when they had Trevor Lawrence, and then he fell out of the rotation. So he's leaving because he's not getting playing time. You know that's usually the reason why most guys are leaving. Can they come to Indiana and be an impact player? Time will tell. But when you're when you're at Indiana and you're six and eighteen over the last two years, this is kind of the route you've got to take because you're not getting. You're not getting a Marvin Harrison Jr. or a Travion Henderson and you know out of the high school ranks who can come in and basically play right away. You're yeah. getting guys that's probably gonna take a year. Or so you gotta develop them, you gotta, you know, get them bigger and stronger and just kind of get them coached up before they they're ready to face off against teams like Ohio State.
0: The other thing you mentioned, uh, Matt Grary, the New co-defensive coordinator at Indiana. Um, I don't know how familiar Buckeye fans were with him. As you mentioned, he was, I think it was a quality control coach here, but a guy who did a lot of work behind the scenes. What's been your early impressions of him? Sounds like he's going to call defensive plays. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, obviously he knows the Buckeyes. What do you think kind of advantage that that might give Indiana, knowing both this defense and the offense, having worked in the program?
1: You know, he was asked that on Monday at the weekly press conferences. He, yeah. he said, yeah, I do have some insight because I know, you know, but he obviously he wasn't a full-time coach, but he was obviously in those meetings. But he said, listen, he said, you know, Ryan Day and those guys were really great at what they do offensively. And he said, he goes, I'm sure they're going to tweak some things. They're probably going to do some things that I don't know about. So he, his thing was, we got to worry more about what we do than, than more than as much as we do about what Ohio State does. He's a really bright guy, incredibly energetic. I mean, I think he's got a chance and he just strikes me kind of reminds me of Kane Womack in that sense. When I first saw Kane Womack, I thought this guy's got a chance to be a head coach. He just kind of has that personality. Um, I could see him being really good on the recruiting trail. You know, he's just, he's, he's a really upbeat, positive guy, kind of like Tom Allen, but younger. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's like, I don't know, maybe mid thirties. He's not very old. Um, I, you know, we'll see what he does. He was a D he did call plays at, at Duke, um, you know, for, for a few years. Um, and I'm sure there were some ups and downs there being a young guy, but, we'll see how he does. I, but I do really like his personality. I think he's brought a lot to the staff and, you know, I think his enthusiasm is really contagious.
0: Okay. Let's dive into to some of the personnel here. You, you touched on the fact that Indiana has not named a starting quarterback. Um, Ohio state did in the sense that Kyle McCord will take the first snap, but still going to play both guys. Tell us about these two quarterbacks that are, we're, could play, might both play on Saturday and and what you make of the situation of, of not naming a guy thus far.
1: Well, I'll start with Taven Jackson. Taven, it was a four-star guy out of center Grove, which is a, you know, uh, a really good program on the South side of Indy. Uh, He won back-to-back state titles his last two years there. Um, Younger brother of Trace Jackson Davis. They're actually, they're actually stepbrothers, uh, uh, same mom, but different fathers. Um, But, you know, basically they, they're brothers as far as they're concerned. Um, talented kid played basketball. Um, was a, like I said, a four star guy, you know, um, one of the top quarterbacks in the country when he was coming out of high school. Signed with Tennessee, enrolled there last year early. Um, played a little bit like mop up time. I think he played against Ball State, maybe one other team, like in the fourth quarter when they were up like 30 or 40 points. Um, the Tennessee staff had good things to say about him, you know, the way he looked in spring and a fall camp, but came back to Indiana. <clears throat> Probably a better passer than Soresby. Um, you know, more of a pocket guy, but can run. He's got some athleticism. Um, Brendan Sorsby's from Texas. He was real. They got him late, so you know he brought in Walt Bell. It, and you know how a quarterback recruiting is. Quarterbacks are usually committed first in the cycle. And if you get to like August, September, you're you're you know kind of it's slim pickings. So, but he was a guy that kind of blew up his senior year. Good athlete, played baseball, um, can run. You know, he's he can throw the ball decently. Wide. Like I said, I think Taven's a little bit better. So they're not completely similar but they're not it's not like you know a pocket guy and a true do du- and guys you know two two totally different guys so the offense i don't think will change that much i have no idea um i heard in fall camp we didn't get to see hardly any team stuff i heard one day one guy would play well and the other guy would maybe struggle and then it would flip flop the next day so sure. consistency was an issue gun to my head i'll say it's Taven jackson but i honestly don't know i won't be shocked if either guy comes out and i also will not be shocked if both guys play kind of like you mentioned with Ohio State guys on Saturday and, you know, throughout the season. Um, and, you know, now Dexter Williams could be back later on the year. That's another discussion. But at least early on, I wouldn't be shocked to see both these guys. I don't want to say alternate possessions, but maybe if one guy's struggling, you almost like a relief pitcher. You go to the other guy and hope he's got the hot hand.
0: What about the guys that are, are going to be around these guys? Um, I'll start by asking about the offensive line. What kind of – what? where do you kind of rank that in terms of strength, weakness for Indiana in terms of protecting the quarterback <clears throat> opening holes for the running game?
1: Well, last year they were terrible. I mean, yeah. to be brutally honest, I mean, they fired the O-line coach halfway through the season. They did get better as the season went along. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Brought in Bob Bostad, who obviously has a tr- tremendous track record of developing offensive linemen at Wisconsin – was in the NFL for a few years, you know, and you can see it. I mean, the, the, the changes in how they practice are noticeable. Now we'll see. I mean, can he take a, a group of linemen who last year who weren't very good at making better, they can't get any worse. They were the worst offensive line in the big 10 for the first half of the season. I think they will be better. They don't need to be top three or four, but I think they got to be top half. So this team could be competitive, especially with young quarterbacks. Um, if you have to put a lot of these guys' shoulders early on, it's probably going to be ugly. So, you know, not that you have to run for 200 yards a game, but you you got to be able to at least keep a defense honest with your running rushing attack. You know, you've got, they've got some guys back. Michael Kadick is a fifth year guy. Matthew Bedford's a fifth year guy. Zach Carpenter, who started at Michigan and transferred. He's from uh, the Cincinnati area. Um, he's played quite a bit of football. Then you're going to have some young guys, Khalil Benson, um, you know, who played started last four or five games at right guard last year, Carter Smith. who's from over there in Ohio. Actually, I think his first game playing last year, they did the rule where you keep him under four games and redshirt him. I think his first game was at Ohio State in the shoe. Um, and he had some struggles, obviously, against a team like that, but also showed some promise. And Josh Sales, a local kid from Brownsburg, Indiana, they're kind of vying for that left tackle spot. So there's some good mix of, of veterans and youth, and they brought in some transfers at Noah Boldikoff from TCU, Max Lawman from UMass, who played quite a bit. Those guys give him some depth. So. I think they'll be better, but until we see it, we just don't know. I, I, you know, I don't want to say you have blind faith in a coach, but Bob said, like I said, has got a proven track record of developing guys, units, you know, and so I think he'll do a good job. It's just, you know, has he had enough time to get this unit turned around? Because it was, it was really bad last year.
0: You touched on some of the running backs there, and, and we got a question I was going to ask about the receivers anyway. Rightful one on the chat asked, uh, he heard Indiana has a bunch of receivers over six feet tall, including one that's six five. What kind of weapons there uh, do the quarterbacks have to throw to?
1: Well, I'm guessing they're probably referring Donovan McCauley, who came in as a quarterback, um, was moved to receiver. He's, yeah. I think, he's around six five. Um, they, you know, that Cam Camper was, the, <clears throat> excuse me, was was their their big target last year. Um, blew out his knee. I want to say it was Rutgers game. I think it was week seven. So he played about half the season and he still led the team in receiving. That's how bad the passing game was. The guy who was half the year still, he led him in receptions, receiving yards. He didn't lead him in touchdown catches, but still, it just shows you where they were as a, as a, as a passing offense. Um, Anderson Kobe came in last year from, uh, he started Tennessee, went to a Juco uh, came in last year. He's got good speed, a little bit inconsistent. Um, They brought, like I mentioned, EJ Williams from Clemson. He's a big at big time athlete, but you know, was he overrated? You know, you just don't, I mean, we'll see if he can come in and do something. He's made some, made some plays in practice Dequise Carter is a guy that's really intriguing to me. He, he was great at Fordham. I know it's FCS level, but I think those skill guys at the FCS level can translate up a level. Yeah. Um, he was highly, highly productive and against power five opponents. He had some good games. So, you know, is he going to be a stud? No, but you just need a dependable guy in the slot. And I think he can be that guy. So they've got some, they've got some, you know, guys there, like I said, mentioned McCauley and camper, um omar cooper uh, McCauley's teammate at lawrence north um is another guy cam perry's intriguing he's a little small guy five nine but he's really fast um could be a guy that they use some gadget stuff with so uh, there's some i wouldn't call it great you know a number of years ago indiana a guy named cody latimer was really really good yeah. i don't think they have anybody like that but i think top to bottom this is probably a deeper wide receiver room than they've had i just don't know you know, Camper was kind of the go-to guy. I don't know if they have, you know, they certainly don't have a Marvin Harrison or, you know, the other guys that Ohio State had, but do they have guys that when the pressure's on and they got to throw the ball up, can they go make a play? We'll see. I just, you know, sometimes it's better to have more guys and you can't focus on one, but personally I'd rather have Marvin Harrison and a bunch of no names <laughs> because I'll just throw it to him all day long and, and go get my 250 yards passing. When
0: you look at the defense last year as a whole, the numbers aren't great. Uh, I think they were, 120 in the country and scoring defense and 119 in total defense. Is there optimism that this year's group will be better in, you know, across the board?
1: Yeah. And I think one of the things I'm not excusing the defense, but the offense was so bad last year. They could not run the ball. They could not, they couldn't control the ball at all. So the defense a lot of times was back on the field within a couple of minutes. Now the defense didn't play good. And it was surprising because you had so many veteran guys, especially on the back end, you know, Tywan Mullen, Devon Matthews, Jalen Williams, a lot of guys who had played a ton of football and they just did not play well. It was in Tom Allen was the play caller. I think that was an issue. I think it's too hard for him to be the head coach and the defensive play caller. Just, it's, it's a little bit different. I know Ryan, I think it's different for an offensive guy than a defensive guy Yeah. because you know, an offense you, you're, you're managing the game more and on defense. It's just, I just don't know that it's really hard to do. Yeah. And, um, I think that's a big reason why Matt Guerrero is brought in to be the play caller, and hopefully that takes some pressure off Tom Allen. But we'll see. Like I said, I think the the front is as talented as Indiana's ever had. Um, they've got some guys I think who have um, ability to play at the next level. Maybe not high picks, but they've got that kind of ability, which has not happened often for D line in Indiana. Linebackers, they got two or three guys that you know look pretty solid. Aaron Casey's a good player, but you got you got to rotate guys. You can't have guys playing 70, 75 snaps on defense. So they're going to need some depth there, and then. Secondary is just to me is the biggest question mark and concern, you know. Especially, and then you start off with Ohio State and the weapons they have, and trying to guard these guys. Um, and if you can't get pressure um, from your front four, you know, um, even if Kyle McCord's a little bit nervous, he's going to have all day to throw it. He's throwing to, you know, NFL dudes. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, they're going to find out really quick where they're at defensively because even with the change, Ohio State has an offense. I expect them to be. Really, really good. Obviously, with all those playmakers they have.
0: Yeah, I do think that matchup between the the defensive line and you know what will be a, a relatively new offensive <clears throat> line, three new starters for Ohio State. Certainly, something to keep an eye on. Um, and that actually takes me to a question we got on the message board asking, from your perspective, um, what are the matchups that, that you're going to be watching? Uh, you know, I'll go into some on on Ohio State side, but. Just from kind of your your perspective of Indiana, what are the matchups you're going to be kind of dialed into the most in this game?
1: Well, for Indiana on offense, and I, I mean, in today's football, there's all these spread offenses and all these stuff going on. To me, football is will has been and always will be one up front. Yeah. Um, I mean, everybody talks about the Marvin Harrisons and the Travion Hendersons, and you go to other schools, the great players. Ohio State is really really good year in and year out because they've got O-line and D-line men that are studs. I mean, they dominate people up front. They usually win the war up front, and that's where football, in my opinion, is won. Now, you need those guys to make plays, obviously, when they get the chance. Yeah. But if you can't block for your quarterback, they can't make those plays. So, um, I want to see – the. I I know Ohio State's defense, they got some guys up front that are really good linebackers. I mean, uh, is it, Tom, is it Eichenberg? Yep. Um, Walt Bell said he might be the best linebacker they play all year. Right. I mean, he thinks he's really, really good. And obviously he is. I mean, and you guys, you know, the other guys, the ends and all those guys up front. So any off to like, can they hold their own? Like I said, they don't have to run for five yards of carry, but you can't be, you know, in 2020 when IU pushed them to the limit, IU had 491 yards of offense and I think 500 was passing. They were actually negative yeah. running the ball because they could not run the ball at all. You can't have that. I'm not saying you got to run for 180, 200, but you've got to be at least somewhat of a threat on the ground. And then defensively, I more so than the guys covering Marvin Harrison and the other guys, it's can Andre Carter, Linnell Carr, Anthony Jones, who's another transfer from Oregon and Edge guy, can they get pressure on McCord before he can get the ball out? Because, yeah. you know, you th- those DBs, I don't care who you got back there, you're not covering Marvin Harrison for very long. You're going to have to win the battle up front so that McCord has to throw the ball quicker, or whoever the quarterback is, quicker than he wants to throw the ball, has to get it out, or get him off his spot and get him uncomfortable. You know, if Indiana can do that, maybe they can make it interesting. I just think over time, you know, I I know it's a new O-line, but these are really good players, really good coaches over there. Um, And it's going to be tough. You know, another thing is you can't play Andre Carter every snap. You can't play these guys every snap. Can the guy who comes in, can he maintain that same level of play that some of these guys who are the front-line guys um, are able to?
0: You've mentioned Marvin Harrison a few times. I think it's going to be really interesting as we go through this year from an Ohio State perspective how teams handle him. Um, obviously Ohio state has a number of receivers that can, can hurt you. How do you envision uh, Indiana, excuse me? um, You know, do, do they double him? Do they triple him? You know, what, what do you think kind of the approach will be to handling a guy that, you know, I think some people certainly think could be the best receiver in college football this year.
1: Yeah. I mean, and you mentioned it in our, in our question exchange, it's it's a Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, A Mika Okay. So if you, if you roll coverage to Marvin Harrison, which I wouldn't, you know, you roll all safety or whatever, then you leave that guy one-on-one. And I, that stat you gave me where he only had three fewer receptions, a hundred, like a little more than hundred yards yeah. and a couple touchdowns. I, I, that blew me away. Right. Because Marvin Harrison's season was remarkable. And basically this guy almost duplicated what he did. Um, so it just shows you how good these guys are. So, I, I don't, you know, it's kind of pick your poison. I mean, it's kind of like in basketball, that one guy who's really good, and there's obviously he's got, you know, uh, a Robin to that Batman. Do you try to just do everything to keep Batman from, you know, killing you and hope that you can hold? I don't know. I, You know, I think somebody's – at some point you're probably going to have to maybe single cover a guy and hope that either whoever you put on him can do the job or you can get to that quarterback and get pressure. Like I said, to me, it's going to be really how can they do up front. If McCord's got all day or Devin Brown's got all day to throw – um, you know, it, they're going to get open. I mean, they're going to get open. They're too good. I mean, it doesn't matter. Receivers get open nowadays. So it'll be interesting. I, you know, I don't know if they'll play a lot of man and, you know, and, and, and try to do that or if they'll try to do more zone, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how they do it. And obviously there's other weapons. I mean, you mentioned five running backs who are really good. Um, Ohio State usually has a pretty good tight end. I'm not sure who it is this year, but they usually have good guys at tight end. So, um, you know, there's, a, there's a lot of weapons. You, sometimes you just got to pick your poison and hope that either that guy has an off game or you're able to, to kind of neutralize him and the other, the, your game plan works for the rest of the, the rest of the team.
0: All right. Last question. I'll get you out of here. Um, this game, I asked you kind of the vibe of things overall for the season, but this game, um, you know, when Ohio state comes to town, a lot of times it's a Buckeye kind of takeover of Memorial stadium. This being the first game, what do you think the the atmosphere will be like on Saturday? What are the fans kind of feeling coming into this game and, and facing Ohio State in the opener? <clears throat> it's interesting. I, you
1: know, you put out a tweet the other day, a day or two ago, about um, get your tickets for all State. So it sounds like there may still be tickets. Now, maybe they haven't released those and the Ohio State fans haven't, haven't gobbled them up yet. I'm not sure. Um, I You know, I can't remember a game, uh, Ohio State coming to Indiana, where it wasn't probably at least – nearly half Ohio state fans are pretty close. I would, I'm guessing it'll be the same that fan base travels incredibly well. They're super passionate and supportive. So I'd be a little bit surprised if that wasn't the case Saturday, I would expect, you know, it's the first game of the year. The student, the students have shown up the last couple of years. Now the problem is they stay for the first half a lot of times leave in the second half. If this game is competitive for a half, hopefully they'd stick around. Um, you know, um, if it starts to get out of hand in the second quarter, I could see a lot of them leaving and, you know, going back to the uh, tailgate lots and, and, you know, having some adult beverages. So, you know, I think there'll be some, I mean, obviously people understand over here, this is the, what the third and one pole and the fourth and another poll ranked team in the country, even with some of the th- people they have to replace they're they're expected to contend for the national title and should contend for the national title. Um, it's going to be a tough game. Like I said, at the beginning Indiana could play their a game could play mistake free. And if, Ohio state plays a B plus game. They're still going to win. You know, I mean, I even may have to be a B plus game. Cause they're just the talent's So good. Um, I just think you go in there and you, you come out, punch them in the mouth. Um, Ohio state's been punched in the mouth. So, you know, they'll, they'll just, but see how it goes. Just, just play your tails off. Hopefully you come out of this with not too many guys beat up and move on. If you don't, if you, you move on to Indiana state and try to get your season going there, but this is, for a program like Indiana, this is where you're at when you play Ohio State. You know, it's it's sometimes I I wonder what it's like on the other side of the fence for you guys. Um, but it's um, you know I guess it's you got a ton of pressure on that program to win every week. But um, this is where you're at. You got you want to try to go in there, give them your best punch, and, and see if you can do the David versus Goliath and knock him off.
0: Matt, thank you very much. Uh, we had a yeah. couple comments here. Uh, Billy Tuesday. Matt knows how to answer a question, and then Rightful One said, "Yeah, he does." This is probably the most informative guest. I've seen in a long time. He knows his stuff about IU football, so you gave the people what they were looking for. I appreciate it, and uh, yeah. as you referenced there, we've we've got a piece coming out where you answered some questions, a written piece that'll be on Bucknuts. Mm-hmm. You've got your score prediction in there and stuff, so people can look forward to that. Probably publish that tomorrow morning, no so problem. keep an eye out for that. But thanks again, Matt. I do appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thanks, and thanks for your to your listeners who with the, with the comments. I really appreciate it. I, that means a lot that uh, they uh, said that. So thank you very much, and thanks for having me, man.
0: Yeah. Awesome. I'll see you on Saturday over there in, in Bloomington. Okay. Take care. i be safe. Traveling over. Thanks. All right. If you tuned in late, that was Matt Weaver of pegs.com, the two four seven sports Indiana site. Uh, Matt does and and all the guys over there do a great job. Um, they've had some good stuff covering the the buildup to this game. So if you haven't already, you can check out their work over at two four seven sports, uh, the Indiana website. So thanks again for Matt. Um, we're going to, uh, Pay more bills here for uh, a new thing on the Bucknuts Happy Hour. We started doing this on the BM5. They finally thought that we were worthy of uh, of some live reads. So um, first impressions matter. There's no two ways around it. And your face is most likely the first thing that someone notices about you. How your skin looks is going to determine good or bad. The impression, the impression. Being at interviews and on these video podcasts, we decided it's time to put our best faces forward. Started using Caldera Labs to do so. Clinically proven to reduce wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging, Caldera Labs is the leader in men's skincare and is here to save the day and your confidence. Use our exclusive code, BUCKNUTS, just like the website, all one word, at caldera.com to enjoy 24, 20% off, excuse me, their best products. Uh, I personally, still young, skin's good, but talking to Dave Biddle, talking to Dan Rubin, both these guys use Caldera Labs. Uh, both recommend it. It creates high performance men's skin. It, they have high performance men's skin care products. And the regimen is a twice a day formula that helps transform your skin. Um, it literally takes 30 seconds in the morning, 30 seconds at night before you go to bed. This little time is a huge benefit for compounding interest and you can get behind all day long. Uh, similar to brushing your teeth. It's kind of a routine that some of our guys have gotten into. So, uh, you know, a, a Product that not only we endorse, but we, those of us who need it thus far, and thankfully I have not yet, um, You use it and enjoy it. Get 20% off again with our code BuckNuts at CalderaLab.com. That's 20% off at CalderaLab by using the code BuckNuts. Jump into skin and first impression royalty with CalderaLab. All right, let's head back to the football talk and dive into the buckeyes and kind of our final thoughts my final thoughts on this team heading into the year uh maybe we'll make some some uh predictions here if we have time after i go through the things i want to talk about again if you have any questions still about this team i know we answered some last week if you're watching this on the live feed feel free to throw them in the comment section also, if you uh, want to throw your prediction in there, we'll, we, we can read some of those after, at the end here if you have predictions for the score on Saturday. So throw those in the comments, and we'll get to questions and, and score predictions at the end. I'm always interested to see what, what people think, how people are feeling. Maybe you don't have a score prediction. Maybe you just have a, I'm feeling this way, I'm feeling that way type of thing. Anyway, I think the first thing we have to talk about, and you know, it's been the topic of conversation all offseason. I saw somebody... Um, we had stories on Tuesday about the quarterback situation. Someone on Twitter or X made the comment that we were continuing to use clickbait uh, to uh, or clickbait for the quarterback stuff. I don't know. It seems to be the thing everyone's wanted to talk about all off season. So it it, it seems purposeful to write stories about it. Maybe I'm wrong there, but it seems like this is still an interesting topic. Here's my read on the quarterback situation and how this is going to play out. And I wrote about some of this already. The What Ryan Day did on Tuesday, naming Kyle McCord the starter, I think is more or less, I, I don't think it changes our, much of our situation here, right? The Buckeyes are still going to play both guys. Really, all Ryan Day did was name which guy was going to take the first snap. Um, they haven't talked about how they're going to play both guys yet. So it's not like Ryan Day said, okay, Kyle McCord is going to get the first quarter and then we'll see when we put Devin Brown or something like that. You know, they didn't say they're going to go series to series either, but you know, I think they're still in a situation, although I believe Ryan day and and I think everyone should, um, you know, not only based on what he said, but based on other things we've heard that Kyle McCord came into camp as kind of the, the, the leader in the clubhouse, right? Probably wasn't a big gap, but he played well in spring practice. he, then played in the spring game when Devin Brown got hurt. So you know, while it was just a small sample size of, of time when Devin Brown was out, that still counts. Uh, the spring game is is part of the evaluation process. Devin Brown wasn't there. It, you know, similar thing happened to Joe Burrow during uh, the the season with with Dwayne Haskins when Dwayne Haskins got to play in the Michigan game. It's all part of the equation. So Devin, Kyle McCord comes in probably a little bit ahead to start fall camp. Does well to start. Then Devin Brown makes this push. And, you know, I know there was a lot of talk out there about, I think you, you kind of saw if you if you are super dialed in, pay attention that some people were talking about, you know, Devin Brown may have pulled ahead or Devin Brown's going to be named the starter. And I think people were probably piecing together bits of information about, oh, Devin Brown has, has closed the gap. I think that would have been the better way to put it on Kyle McCord. And Ryan Day was asked about, you know, I think it was Tim May. Um, who asked, you know, did you ever tell Devin Brown, like, you're kind of blowing this thing? Um, and I don't think Ryan Day put it that way, but he said they were in constant discussion with both quarterbacks about where they stood. And I think Kyle McCord recognized, you know, whether it was a little bit of complacency, whether he just had some bad days when Devin Brown happened to play well, the, the you know, th- there needed to be a bit more urgency there. And since then, and that was probably two weeks, week and a half ago, Devin Brown had, or Kyle McCord, excuse me, has pushed ahead and that is why he was named at least the week one starter um i think it's interesting what they're going to do here because well first it'll be interesting to see how it plays out but as i said last week as i've said a few times the schedule plays out really well to to handle this competition going forward and this is why i think ryan day has been very honest with us throughout this whole process there's no reason that you have to go this route right if one guy was better even if it was Devin Brown who had been the better quarterback in fall camp now I know there's talk about being worried Kyle McCord would enter, enter the transfer portal you lose your backup quarterback well you have Tristan Gebbia who, who's been there Jebbia who has in his seventh year of college football has played some games in the Pac-12 for Oregon State that's a guy who could come in if you really needed him to and, and probably played pretty well especially in this offense where you know he's got all these receivers he's got these running backs it's more talent than he's ever played with, and then you have Lincoln Keinholz. So it's Keenholz, excuse me. So it's not like you uh, would be the the cupboard would be bare if you lost Kyle McCord. Now they don't want to lose Kyle McCord, no doubt about that. But I mean, they've operated in the past with three scholarship quarterbacks on the roster. Ryan Day would prefer always to have four, but I don't think you're just naming Kyle McCord the the starter for the beginning of the season at least just to keep them on campus. You're not that desperate at the quarterback position. Uh, I think, you know, you, you have some depth there. So that's my assessment of it. Um, I think that it's interesting how it plays out because you do have this time before that Notre Dame game where you get these games that you should win, regardless of which guy plays and how much you should be able to handle it. Then you can go into the Notre Dame game with, the one thing that neither of these guys really have much of, even Kyle McCord, who's been in the program for is going to be his third season playing time, game reps. Kyle McCord did start that game as a freshman, played pretty well against Akron, but really different team, a different Kyle McCord. Devin Brown has barely played. So now both guys get game reps. You have that film to look at. You add something interesting that you couldn't get throughout this offseason, despite how much you tried to make the practices simulated like games you get real live game reps and now I think you know whether it be after the Indiana game after the Youngstown State game after the Western Kentucky game now you can have a starter whether Ohio State and Ryan Day name a starter you know this is the guy who's going to play all the snaps meaningful snaps against Notre Dame I don't know if it were me I wouldn't have I wouldn't name a guy in fact I wouldn't have named a guy this week I would have just rolled into Saturday um Now I would tell the guys, you know, I would have had the conversation with Kyle McCord and Devin Brown and and the team. And that probably gets out in Ohio state circles. But if it were me, I would have made Indiana practice for both guys, even more. They're definitely practicing for both guys, but I think they know that Kyle McCord probably will play more assuming he plays well. I would have let it roll all the way into, into Saturday. And maybe you name the starter on Saturday, you put something out, but you know, I think, if you want to play that game and, and I think Ohio state does, with the way they don't talk about injuries and things like that, they could have handled the situation that way. So I think that's another reason why I believe Ryan day, when he says that common court has done enough to pull ahead um, to, to be named the starter, because again, you didn't have to, there's no rule that says you have to name a starter going into the first week. This isn't the NFL. We have to put out a depth chart. So uh, I think that, that's kind of my read of the quarterback situation in total. Um, again, have any questions, throw them in the chat here. If you are, um, if you got a score prediction or, or feelings about the game, throw them in the chat here. I'll read some of those out at the end. Looking at the rest of this offense, I've talked a lot. The offensive line to me was the biggest concern this offseason. I feel better about it um, from, from people I've talked to, from hearing the coaches, from other players talking about it. I think there's reason, more reason for optimism about this group and the fact that you know they did have to move guys around. Josh Fryer's now at the right tackle. Josh Simmons is going to be the left tackle. That was a little concerning to me at the time because you spent so much time investing in Josh Fryer as the left tackle. Um, but I think they like, I know they like the athleticism that Josh Simmons brings at that left tackle position. Uh, he's got experience now it's not Big Ten Ohio State experience but it is college football experience a lot more than Josh Fryer who did play last year and played well last year and started some started a game at uh, right guard I think it was and, and even played in uh, played pretty much the whole game in another game so he does have some experience but different position um, you know starting in that spot will be different I am interested to see how Carson Hinsman does Ryan Day said today on his radio show, we're recording this on Thursday, that while well, Carson Hinsman is going to be the guy at that position, Victor Cutler is going to play this year. Now, where that is, how that is, I'm not sure, but I do think Victor Cutler has made big steps coming from Louisiana Monroe. You know, obviously a, a pretty big jump. This is a guy who's, who I talked to in the spring or before the spring, even about his motivation. Um, and, you know, he said, look, I'm not here to, you know, be a backup. He, he's here to prove he can do it and try and get to the NFL. Well, he hasn't won the job. So, you know, he's got to find another way. So we'll see what happens there. Um, I'm really interested in Luke Montgomery. I'm going to have a story on Luke Montgomery. It'll probably come out on Friday on Bucknuts that, uh that I think people will enjoy. Like, this is a freshman who is in the two deep. Ryan Day is talking about he's going to play this year. Um, you know, it would have been even crazier if he'd won a starting job and and been able to win that. But I think just being in the two deep here is, is pretty impressive. They have other guys, other tackles that, that could have, you know, been ahead of him and he's done enough to prove that. So the offensive line, I think has formed nicely. We'll see on Saturday, obviously. Um, and we'll see going forward, but I, I, I'm more confident in it and a little bit more confident in some of the depth than I probably was a week, two weeks ago. So I think that's positive. You know the weapons on the outside. Uh, you know the running backs. The one thing I will say about the running backs is the – I do think this could be – and I was asked about this the other day. I do think this could be more of the Travion Henderson show. Look, Mayan Williams will certainly play. Um, Ryan Day listed – You know, Trip Traynham, who he said decided had a really good offseason. Dallin Hayden as guys that are going to play on Saturday, and then they'll see how much they can get Evan Pryor in the game. But to me, and I said this last year, Travion Henderson's the most talented running back on this team. And then, you know, you you figure out the rest of the guys. And Mayan Williams proved to me last year and obviously proved to everyone else that he can be, you know, one B to Travion Henderson's one A, but this is a motivated Travion Henderson. We talked to him just the other night. He's healthy. He, you know, I don't, he says he doesn't have anything to prove to anybody, but I do think he wants to get back to the guy that, you know, was a star a couple of years ago. Right. And uh, the way to do that, get him on the field and let him go to work. And I do think the Buckeyes will do that. Now, you know, mine's going to play a good amount of snaps too. I'm not saying that, but I think it could be more Travion Henderson heavy when needed than maybe it was planned a year ago. Obviously he gets hurt pretty early in the season. You saw him really the Notre Dame game was the only game, that uh those two played that was you know played healthy that was uh you know a real challenge for Ohio State and I'm going to pull it up I believe Travion Henderson handled most of the work in that game based on just just my memory here I'm pulling up what the stats were and their snap count but yeah to me it's uh you know I'm not saying it's the Travion Henderson show. I Like I said, I think both running backs deserve to play. I think more than both running backs deserve to play and will play. But it will. Uh, you know, wouldn't surprise me if, especially in some of these bigger games, you see more Travion Henderson. Again, assuming he stays healthy. Eh, th- it was pretty even. 15 carries for Travion, 14 for Mayan. Mayan had the touchdown. Um, the snap counts were... Snap counts in that game: forty-three for Travion, twenty-eight for mine. So mine didn't play as much, but did get the did get almost the same amount of carries. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. Defensively, I think is where I'm excited for this team, but also um, still cautious. I, I'd put it as cautiously optimistic. I think that's the right way to put it. I think there's a lot of talent on this defense. I think this is about as talented as a group that they've had since 2019, which was obviously crazy talented. If you look at the guys that were drafted and, and whatnot, um, I think the secondary is going to be very good with Denzel Burke, Davis and Jordan Hancock. You've got three guys there, which according to Jim Knowles, they're going to find ways to get all three guys on the field, whether that's moving Jordan Hancock to the slot, uh, whatever it may be playing 60 DBs, Sonny Styles at safety he's a guy who can play pretty much any role on the defense. Um I forget who it was that we talked to a week or so ago but he you know, he said he could line him up at defensive end, you could line him up at linebacker, you could line him up at safety, he could play cornerback. I think that's that's probably true if you, you know, if you gave him time to work on those positions. I like that Lathan Ransom is back again. Last year I thought he played pretty well. Obviously the the big mistake I won't even call it a mistake, the mismatch in the Georgia game stands out to people. Wasn't perfect, but a guy who wasn't expected to start coming off that broken leg, I think this will be uh, an even better season. They still have to figure out that adjuster, that free safety. I think it'll be Jihad Carter, but it sounds like they're going to play uh, some combination of Jihad Carter, Josh Proctor, and freshman Malik Hartford, which is uh, exciting to see a, a freshman get in there and get in that mix. He's, uh, you know, He was a pretty highly recruited guy, but I don't think a lot of people expected him to come in and play right away. Sounds like that's going to happen. Now, how much if he starts, we'll, we'll see. Uh, it doesn't sound like that's been solidified, but he's competing with two guys, uh, a senior and a sixth-year senior. So pretty impressive stuff from him, but I think that position will be okay. Again, I ultimately think it's Jahad Carter who wins that job, but we'll see. But I think that group is is good. You know what you're going to get in the linebackers, Tommy Eichenberg at Steel Chambers. I think the there will be probably some more rotation there. Jim Knowles has talked about. Wanting to keep those guys those starters healthy for the bigger games towards the end of the year. Obviously, everyone knows uh, Tommy Eichenberg was dealing with the the broken thumbs last season. He was playing with the cast on there. Ryan Day said on on his radio show, I think it was that you know Tommy had some other stuff going on that he wasn't telling people about that he had to deal with after the season, injury wise and and whatnot. So, like if you can keep guys healthy and you can play a CJ Hicks, you can play a Cody Simon. Maybe you go even a little bit deeper than that. Um, you you know you just don't have to have those guys on the field all the time. Maybe that that works out in your favor long term. But those are your guys when when push comes to shove. The the defensive line to me. Oh, and with the linebackers, I'm curious the impact looking back at the season afterwards, the impact that James Laurinaitis is going to make. And I know we've touched on James Laurinaitis before, but I think you know just not being a, a true position coach, not being a guy that talks to the media publicly and, and whatnot, he can kind of be forgotten a little bit. Look, Jim Knowles coaches the linebackers, but but James Laurinaitis handles a lot of stuff because Jim Knowles is all, also handling the entire defense. So I think he could make a huge impact. I know that Notre Dame wasn't excited about him leaving, and especially going to a team that they're going to have to play this year. Um, you know, you already have a talented group there. I think he could, you know, help a guy like Tommy Eichenberg take an even further step steel chamber same thing and, and some of the you know the young guys cj hicks even a cody simon guys like that i think this could be a big a big deal for, for them and i think it already has uh, but to me the defensive line like that's where i i don't want to say i have questions because i think that's a, a really talented group you've got like four guys at both the ends and the tackle positions jt to jack sawyer who look on paper that could be one of the best defensive end duos in the country. Two of the top, I think they were two of the top three defensive ends coming out of of high school in the same class. Um, And then you've got Kenyatta Jackson and Caden Curry, two guys also in in the same class, a year younger, providing depth there. Guys that have, have really impressed middle. You, you've got Michael Hall jr. If he's healthy, I, I wrote this the other day. I really think, he could be on pace for an All-American season. Got to stay healthy, though. And, and Ryan Day talked on the radio show today, uh, Friday, or th- excuse me, Thursday, about the need for him to play a lot of snaps, to lead the team, lead that position with his snaps. And I think that's going to be vital. You've got to have a guy like that on the field um, a lot. And you know, he's, he's got to find a way to stay healthy and be productive for the Buckeyes. Um, but beyond him, Taiwan Malone, uh, the, uh, transfer from Ole Miss, I'm interested to see kind of where he stands in the pecking order when we were out at practice. Now that was early on first day. He was kind of down in terms of when he took his reps, but then after the injury to, uh, Tylek Williams, it was, you know, he was working with the first team. So I'm interested to see where he is, but those two guys, Tyreek Williams, as well as Ty Hamilton, um, Jim Knowles mentioned Jaden McKenzie, kind of a guy we haven't talked about a lot. Hero Canu, a young guy, a sophomore who hasn't played a ton of football, but has taken a big jump, I'm told, this summer, uh, this offseason. So you've got plenty of depth there, I think, to really make an impact. Um, But that defensive line has to be better. It just has to be. You have to get pressure on the quarterback. You have to stop the run better. It just changes so much for the rest of the defense. If you can have a dominant defensive line up front – I mean, Buckeye fans don't need to be told this. You guys know this. You've seen it in the past. You just haven't seen it the last few years. Um, and I think with this defense, the the two things that that have me most confident that it'll take a big step. One, the experience, the fact that they're in year two under Jim Knowles um, in this defense. I think that, you know, as much as maybe people don't don't think that. I think that really makes a difference. Um, last year at this time, they were still learning the defense. The coaches were still new to them relatively. Um, it was a whole new scheme they were trying to learn. This year, most of the guys that are going to be on that field for the first snap defensively, it's kind of old hat. The way Ryan Day put it is, you know, the first year you're learning how to do things. Now you're learning the why. Jim Knowles talked about when when you know, the, know that why and you don't have to think, you're just out there playing. You can play so much faster. And I think that's gonna make a big difference for them. Um, you know, I think that the talent is not a question, it's 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 just putting it all together, and you know, it's looked good from what we've seen, from what we've heard. It's it's looked the part. Now you gotta go out and do it. And look, if you listened earlier, you heard Matt Weaver talking about Indiana, new quarterbacks, receiving core deep, but probably not great. So, like, is this going to be the first? is this first test going to really show us a ton about Indiana, you know, not, a, not maybe a great offensive line uh, to start. Probably not. Um, you know, and, and I think that's going to be a thing that Ohio state fans are going to talk about a lot this year is kind of not falling into the trap of last year, where I think for most of the season, people thought, okay, this defense is really good. Then you got to Penn state, Maryland, and obviously what happened against Michigan and Georgia. So, you know, I think, I say could go out and pitch a shutout in week one. I still don't think we should overreact too much. I think that would be great. I think that would help confidence. I think that would be a positive sign. But I'm not going to then write on Sunday, Monday, whenever you know how this defense is back. Um, yeah. I do think you can take positive things from it, and obviously you know breaking it down, you, you can find some good things. But it's going to be when when they play Notre Dame and Sam Hartman, who looked really good last week in, in week zero. Now, granted. Again, not not the toughest of opponents but clearly a, a better quarterback than what Notre Dame had last year when you play Penn State down the road when you play Michigan you know, those that that's when the defense has to shine that's when the defense has to showcase it can do what uh, it's expected to do frankly so um, I haven't seen any questions in the chat here I'll double check here um, we do have a couple of couple people through their predictions out there uh, Theopolis Williams, Oh, this. I guess this is a question. Will Ohio State win by forty? Uh, I would not predict Ohio State to win by forty. I don't think I'd ever predict Ohio State to win by forty. I think the spread's still at thirty. Um, I think it'll probably be. I haven't done my prediction yet. We we've got to get those in. Um, I think that'll be published tomorrow. But the you know I think the thirty points makes a lot of sense to me. Um, forty seems like a lot john josh crystal ross excuse me 38 i said that means they're going to win by 38 points um billy tuesday breaking a new line in qb would you expect a lot of running but since we're auditioning two quarterbacks probably be a lot of passing Oh what he yeah you would expect um yeah i think i think you could see them rely on the running game more heavily early on in the year i especially this game. Look, Ryan Day has made this very clear. They need to win this game. Th- this isn't about, you know, getting the quarterbacks completely comfortable and whatnot. You can do that the next two weeks against teams that you should cruise and, and they may cruise in this game, but you're on the road against a big 10 team. You've got to win the surest way possible. And that doesn't mean they're not going to throw. They've got too many weapons to, to not throw. And they believe in these quarterbacks that, that they can go out and make some plays. But uh, I do think they could rely on the run a little bit more. This actually takes me back to JT Barrett's first start. Uh, my, my buddies had have this thing where there was an argument about, while they were watching that game, I think it was against Navy, if I remember correctly. Uh, I think JT Barrett threw the first pa- the first play of the game, he threw, and there was this argument as they were watching it about throwing with a new quarterback on the first play of the game. Um, this comes up a lot whenever there's new quarterbacks in games i'll be interested to see if they do throw uh the, the first play of the game um to, for me i would let Kyle McCord get comfortable being out there as a starter run the ball a couple times i mean if you have to throw you have to throw but Ryan day's always been aggressive he trusts his quarterbacks he's a quarterback himself so you know i i i, it, I don't think that it's going to be something like you know, they throw a total of 20 passes for the game. I don't think it'll be like that, but I could see a bit heavier run, especially early on in the game. Just, you know, try and build a lead while relying on the run game, When especially because you have four running backs you want to get in the game. Why not use them, right? Um, John Crystal Ross, OSU 48, IU 10, Ohio State wins by 38. There you go. Um, Mark A. DeBourbon. I like that last name. Defense did step up last year at Penn State. JT had a career game. JT did, but, um, you know, against Penn State, they still gave up. Uh, I'd have to pull it up here, and I will. Um, they still gave up quite a few yards. I think Penn State scored 31 points on them, which was maybe the highest of the year to that point, if I remember correctly. Um, you know, it was – I think that was the first game where people kind of like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, Penn State, Forty. it was a 44-31 win. That was the most points anyone had scored on the Buckeyes that year. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they made some plays to win the game, but there were also some issues in that game. I mean, Penn State put up 482 yards. 371 of that was in the air, 111 on the ground. So it wasn't the best game by the defense. Um Anthony M Lightfoot. If McCord doesn't have it, will they make the change or will he stubbornly stick with the cord? No, both guys are going to play. I think he's made that pretty clear. Uh, I, 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 have no doubt about that fact. I think if McCord, you know, I don't, the, the thing I think you have to be careful with, and this is what happened with Cardale and JT. I remember talking with Cardale at the end of the 2015 season, uh, before the bowl game. And, he was really honest. I, I was surprisingly honest. We were, so a lot of bowl games, they have like a media day. They don't do it as much anymore uh, the way they used to, but every player's out there and no one was talking to Cardale and like they were playing in the Fiesta Bowl against Notre Dame. Um, You know, it wasn't a, a big playoff game. So like to me, Cardale was an interesting story. And I go over and, you know, he, he said, and I forget exactly how he worded. it. I'd have to go back and look at the story I wrote from it. But basically like when he started, he felt JT all the that that I think he started the first seven games. He felt JT behind him, um, you know, like looking over his shoulder, and JT's there. And I think a lot of that was on Urban. Um, you know, I, if you remember back, there were times when Cardell would make a mistake, and, and JT starts warming up, and that's just not good for the starting quarterback. So, like, yes, they're both going to play, but I think you know if Kyle McCord goes out and on the second series throws an interception, you can't just then you know put in Devin Brown unless that's the plan right you know the plan anyway for the third series for Devin Brown to be in i think that sends a bad message and and you may start to lose Kyle McCord a little bit i think the the way Ryan Day manages this is going to be very important because you don't want the guys looking over their shoulder and feeling like i can't make a mistake if you're Kyle McCord and if you're Devin Brown you don't want to be trying to do too much so that then you know, you do make a mistake, right? So you just need to have them able to go out and play and not kind of worry too much um, about about what's going to happen if you make a mistake or, or what happens if you don't make the big play if you're Devin Brown. I uh, I think that's important. It's it's very much the mental side of the game that, that they're going to have to handle correctly here. Uh, last thing, Eric Biddle, nice, nice last name. Uh, I think Dave would be proud of that. Go Bucks in all caps, exclamation point. Finally, exclamation point, football is back. I think that's a great place to leave it. Thank you guys uh, for for tuning in. If you watch this live, appreciate your your contributions in the chat. Thank you to Matt Weaver of Pigs.com. If you tuned in late on the live stream, go back and listen to Matt. He had some really good things, really interesting stuff about Indiana um, from our 247 site. I appreciate you all watching this, listening to this. Please like, subscribe all that good stuff, it, uh, it all helps us. And Steve and I are headed off to Bloomington on Saturday. We will be there for the game. Dave will have the uh, post-game video, the what we learned starting as soon as the game ends. And we'll Steve and I will both make appearances on that. And there'll be plenty of content on the site before the game, after the game. I mentioned that Luke Montgomery story I'm doing. Keep an eye out for that. Probably on Friday, I think fans will like uh, that I talked to his father, I talked to his coach, his high school coach. Um, I have some stuff from Ryan day, so keep an eye out for that. And, uh, thank you. Subscribe to Bucknuts 247 sports. This is the time of the year to do it. Anyway, thanks again, everyone. Cheers. (laughs)